Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. How are we feeling today, Cornerstone? Are we feeling good? Man, we got a lot of people out the last, uh, last service and this service. We got sickness going around, the creeping crud. I don't know what it is, but, but be careful out there. Stay, stay safe, everybody. Uh, it's good to see all of you. Uh, we're only two weeks out from Christmas now. Two weeks out, that's crazy. Hey, um, can I see a show of hands online to, uh, are, are you someone who got all your Christmas shopping done like months ago? You were on the ball all right, that's, that's what I love, my church. You take this down to the last second, I love that. Um, how, about, how about you got things done within like the last month? Like just recently, you just finished up. Any hands? Okay. So then where are my Christmas Eve, 10 p.m., I'm stopping at Walgreens, people, to get the, my last little bit. There you are, there we go. Now I've been, I've been in all of those places so I can relate to all of you equally. Uh, well, hey, we are, we're, we're close to Christmas and we are in our Christmas series here at Cornerstone. Uh, it's called Receive Your King. We're talking about the kingdom of God at Christmas. The kingdom of God at Christmas. Um, if you were with us back during our, our Easter series, we did a whole series talking about the kingdom of God, what it actually is, because we can have a lot of misconceptions when we read scripture, we see this phrase, the kingdom of God is near and the kingdom of God is at hand. And when we read that, we typically think, oh, it's talking about heaven. It's talking about the far off place that we go to when we die. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. That's not what Jesus was bringing and that's not what he was talking about when he says the kingdom of God is near and the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is this new completely upside down way of living um, that Jesus has introduced. Some people like to think that Christianity is like a subculture. It's like a subculture of culture. No, Christianity is a counterculture. It's completely different. The, the, the way that Jesus uh, introduced us to seeing the world, to living in the world, is entirely different than what the world would try to tell us is the way to live and the way to behave. Uh, and all of that uh, was inaugurated during Easter, Jesus' uh, uh, trial, his death, and his resurrection was the kind of the final uh, stamp of the kingdom of God being here and being uh, at work in the world. But what we've been learning in this series is that the kingdom of God that may have been inaugurated at Easter was initiated at Christmas. We can see the kingdom of God start breaking into the world in the Christmas story. Uh, and so that's what we've been looking how is how Christmas changed everything. Can you say that with me? Christmas changed everything. Christmas completely changed the game. The coming of Jesus into our world, it literally split the calendar, right? It, it changed everything. Uh, and what we talked about week one is how Jesus is coming and uh, the Christmas story, it changed the way that we relate to God. That how things used to be and how things were perceived was that to relate to God, um, you have to sing and dance to get his favor. You gotta do things just right for God to smile on you. And what we learned is that th that old way of thinking is precisely that, it's old. That what Jesus has ushered in through his coming, through his ministry, we see now that the, the kingdom of God and God's favor isn't something we work for, it's something we work from, right? That we, we get unmerited favor from Jesus when we put our faith and our trust in him. And so we don't need to work for God's favor and try to be, be righteous for him to finally like us. No, we're, we're righteous and we try to live holy because of who he is and what he's done for us. We work 
from that. So that's what we talked about week one. And then last week, we talked about this idea that Christmas changed everything because Jesus has completely and utterly disarmed the powers of this world. That's what it says in Colossians chapter two, that Jesus has disarmed the principalities and the powers of this world. And what that means is all of the ways that we used to have to live in one way or another, the the things that we were a slave to, the power systems of this world that say, hey, go after power, go after might, go after self-serving ways, do whatever feels right to you. Jesus disarmed and took away the power of that kind of thinking. And so what the world tells us we need to strive for, we don't need to strive for. Jesus completely turned things upside down. Christmas changed everything. Now today, if you're a sermon note taker, our title is Until the Whole World Hears. Until the Whole World Hears, we're gonna talk about how Jesus changed uh, how we share things, how we share the good news with people. Um, Now, what I wanna draw your attention to as we start today is this idea of sharing faith, of us sharing our faith. This is something that, you will not find, if you're reading through scripture, you won't find that in the Old Testament. Like Genesis to Malachi, you won't find you know, Jewish people going around saying, do you have a moment for me to talk to you about our Lord and Savior, Yahweh? Can I, can I talk to you about Yahweh for a moment? Can I come inside? You won't find that anywhere. That wasn't even on their radar. Their, their radar wasn't, hey, let's try to convert people. Let's try to get people into our uh, faith, into our way of thinking. If you've ever heard the word uh, proselytize, that's what that means to, to, to go and try to talk to people and convert them to your way of uh, a belief, your faith. Um, this just wasn't at all active anywhere in the Old Testament. But when Jesus comes on the scene, when Christianity starts to become this faith, this, this belief system, we see it everywhere right? We see it everywhere, especially after Easter, right? The, the first moment Jesus uh, rises on the third day, women go to the tomb, they see and experience the risen Jesus, and what, what do they do? They go and tell, go and share, go and explain what they've experienced. Uh, uh, Jesus' disciples, what do they do? They encounter the risen Jesus, and what happens? They go and tell, they go and share, they go and uh, witness to what they had experienced. The apostle Paul Man, that dude just went and told and told and told again and told again. That guy went everywhere telling anyone who would listen about what Jesus had done and about his encounter with him. And so it can be easy for us to think that, oh yeah, this idea of sharing faith, of you know, sharing what Jesus has done in your life, this is something that happened after Jesus's death and resurrection, that that's whenever it began. But actually, we see it breaking onto the scene all the way back at Christmas. I want us to read today. We're going to be in the book of Luke. If you have a Bible and you want to read along, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. We'll have the scriptures up on the screen so you can read along that way if you would like. Um, But we're in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8 and uh, read through verse 20. This is what scripture tells us. That night, there were shepherds staying in fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. As I'm reading this, all I can think of is the Peanuts Christmas special. I feel like I'm Linus up here, right, reading, reading Luke chapter two. Uh, so the glory of the Lord surrounded them and they were terrified, verse 10, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven 
and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. You see, the shepherds realized what we need to realize. The kingdom of God is too good to keep quiet about. It's just too good. It's just too good. What Jesus has done, what Jesus offers, the new life that he gives us, it is too good for us to keep quiet about. There is a new day and we have to share it. We have to share it. And what I love what's happened here, what we see happen to the shepherds is precisely what needs to happen for us. The, the shepherds were in the presence of God and it did something to them that they had to share about, right? Let, let, me, let me put it this way. Um, God's presence around you will do something in you that you have to get out of you. Does that make sense? God's presence around you, being in the presence of God, it will do something inside of you that you've got to get out. You've got to share. You've got to tell people about. Let's look at this one more time. I'm going to walk through just three of these verses we just read. Listen to it one more time. Starting in verse 9. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They found themselves in the presence of God. And what happened? Verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go, let's go. It stirred something in them. It, it, it stirred them to action. Because they had been in the presence of God Almighty, because they had been surrounded by the Lord's glory, it did something in them saying, hey, we gotta go. We gotta go see this thing. We gotta experience for ourselves." And then verse 17, after they experienced it, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. God's presence around you does something in you that you have to get out of you. We, we experience this stuff with way less cool things, right? Like if you've got a TV show that you love, you've binged that thing on Netflix, you can't wait to tell people about it, right? You're at dinner and you hear somebody at the table next over talking about it, you're like, Excuse me, are, you watched that too? Did you like it? Like, right, you, you can't help but talk about it. The, the new show, the new movie, the song that you can't quit playing on repeat, the restaurant you've tried, you can't wait to share those with people. And all I'm trying to say is what we have in Jesus, my word, how infinitely better is it? How infinitely more has our life changed because of what we have found in Jesus, of what we have experienced through his life change? We've gotta share it. My goodness, we can't keep it to ourselves. We, we can't keep quiet about what God has done in our life. And yet, this is, this is the crazy thing, and yet so many of us do precisely that. So many of us do that. We're, we're just, we're quiet about it. We're just kind of tight-lipped about Jesus, <laughs> about the life change that we've experienced. And this is what I would say. I don't, I don't think it's because we're like, you know, bad people or anything like that. Um, I don't think that's why we almost wear Jesus like a fragrance, right? Like, hopefully somebody notices. Hopefully someone's like, ooh, what are you wearing? Like, oh, uh, Jesus by Calvin Klein. Like, Savior by Dior. Like, that's what I'm wearing today. We, we hope, like, they'll just pick up on it. They'll just pick up on it. But I won't have to actually say anything. And I won't have to actually have that 
awkward conversation with my brother or that weird conversation with my coworker. Like, I just, can they just pick up on my general vibe? Like, can't that just happen? I, I think the main, and there's a whole bunch of reasons for why we can be standoffish about it. And here, can I tell you, I'm not preaching at you. I'm talking with you today because this is me too. This is your pastor as well. It's not like I'm some super Christian who everywhere I go, people at the gas station, how you doing? Blessed. Another great day in the Lord. How about you? Like, I'm not, that's not me. Like, so don't feel like I'm up here saying something that I'm, I, this is an all skate. Like, this is, this is something I gotta work on too. And I feel like our, our reasoning behind it if you're anything like me, the reason it's hard sometimes to be so vocal or share about your faith isn't because you're embarrassed of Jesus. That's what, that's what we can kind of buy into that, well, you know, people are ashamed of what the word says and they're ashamed of it, but you can't be embarrassed about the word, embarrassed about Jesus. I actually don't think that's most people. I think most people aren't sharing because they're embarrassed of Jesus. I think most people aren't sharing because they're embarrassed of themselves. They're like, me? <laughs> Me share my faith, I, Pastor Jacob. My God, no, no. <laughs> like no. I am ill-equipped to be a, a, a spokesman for Jesus. I am ill-equipped to be a person to share uh, about my faith because honestly, I feel inadequate. I feel unskilled. I feel like I wouldn't know what I'm talking about. Can't I just bring my friends to like the pastor? Pastor Jacob, Pastor Brenda, Pastor Donnie, you guys are the experts. Like, you talk to them. I don't wanna, I don't wanna talk to them. I don't wanna say something stupid or drive somebody off. I don't wanna do that. And if, if that is you, what I would encourage you with today is just the truth that faith doesn't need to be formal. Like, we can have this idea that it needs to be so formal and you gotta talk about it just the right way. And if you don't, you've screwed everything up. There's so much pressure on you. You better talk about it the right way. And if you don't do it the right way, you're gonna screw up somebody's eternity. Like, man, no wonder we're scared to share sometimes, right? Because if you do it wrong, you've just like sent somebody to a life away from God forever. That can be a scary notion, but faith isn't formal. I, I love in Acts chapter four, um, I, won't, I won't read it, we don't have enough time, but in Acts chapter four, Peter and John, this is after Jesus has been crucified, he's returned to heaven. Uh, his disciples, get this, this is just so gnarly. These dudes were just so tough. They're, they're in, think about this, they are walking the same streets that about 50 days earlier, Jesus' cross was dragging along as he was walking to a Golgotha. They're walking those same streets telling, hey, all you people, the people who were cheering him on getting killed, guess what? He's back. <laughs> like, he, he's alive. You, you actually didn't recognize him, but he, he's God. He, he's God. He, he's back. He, he's alive. And you need to turn. You need to repent. They're, they're preaching this in that city. They get arrested. They're brought before the Jewish uh, religious leading council, the Sanhedrin. And they're like, look, you got to shut up. Like, we thought we squelched this thing when we killed this guy. You guys got to stop talking about him. Like, we, we can't do this anymore. And Peter and John just pushed back like, hey, we, we can't stop. We cannot stop talking about what we've experienced. If this was, you're trying to talk us out of a, a theology that we came up with or some kind of ideas that we just thought were good ideas, you could talk us out of that. You can't talk us out of the fact that we saw this guy die and three days later he was cooking us breakfast. Like, we can't, we can't be quiet about it. And they, when they responded, whenever they were talking back to the Sanhedrin, Scripture makes a point of saying this in Acts chapter 4. Scripture says that the Sanhedrin, as they were hearing Peter and John speak, they took note that these were ordinary, unschooled men. Like, they were blown away. They're like, who are these guys? These are nobodies. They didn't train under some fantastic rabbi or go to some uh, high learning place. These are ordinary, unschooled men men who were just sharing what they had experienced. 
That's it. Faith doesn't need to be formal. Let me put it this way. You don't have to be eloquent to share your experience. You don't have to. You don't have to talk with all the right words and say just the right thing. You don't have to be eloquent to share your experience. I love how it's phrased in verse 17 of Luke 2 that we read. After seeing him, after seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. What had happened? We're just telling you what's happened. We're just telling you what happened and what the angel had said to us about this child. That's, that's it. That's all we're sharing. What had happened. Um, because these shepherds, this is, this is gonna be interesting just to see. I wanna see a show of hands. How many people, whenever you think of the shepherds of the Christmas story, you're picturing older, long beards? Is that what you've always thought? It's what's on all the Christmas calendars and it's what our dudes out front are rocking, right? Like we got the nativity out here with the, the long beards and these look like seasoned shepherds. They've been around for a while and they've seen some stuff, right? Like what we know from history in this period of time during, uh, uh, during the time of Jesus in the ancient Near East, shepherds, they were not older, wiser people. No, they were young. Think about the story of King David whenever the prophet Samuel came to Jesse, his father's house, to anoint the next king of Israel. Where was David? Out in the fields, tending the sheep. Absolutely, he was tending the sheep. And guess what? He was the youngest. That's who shepherds were. They, they weren't the oldest. They weren't the, the wisest. No, it was the youngest. It was the ones that were the, the youngest in the family that honestly no one expected a lot of because in this culture, everything rose and fall, fell on the firstborn. Everything rose and fell on the firstborn. And so in this culture, the youngest, it's like, well, you can go out and tend the sheep. There you go, have fun, right? And so that's what they did. So think about it. These shepherds who are going around telling about what had happened, these are young, unschooled, uneducated, ordinary young guys who were just telling what they had experienced. None of them, I guarantee you, as they're running around the city telling people about what they've experienced, none of them are saying, does anyone have a, a, you know, a scroll of the prophet Isaiah so we can open it up and we can point to you exactly how this lines up with what Isaiah said or what Micah said or what Jeremiah said about the coming Messiah? They didn't know. They were unschooled. They were ordinary. And so when it comes to you and it comes to you sharing your faith, don't feel like you have to be eloquent. You just have to share your experience. You just have to let people know what happened, right? Um, I, I hadn't shared this for a, a really long time because everything's political in our culture anymore and even something like this is so political. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna wait for a period of time before I share this with anybody. Uh, but last October, last October, I decided to get the COVID vaccine, October 2021. The reason being uh, early in the year, like actually late 2020, uh, me and my wife caught COVID. Um, and so afterwards we got better from it. We had the antibodies for a while and studies were saying the antibodies were more effective than even that. So we're like, okay, well, this is, Great, we've got this. But we start getting towards the end of the year. Some of the studies say that antibodies wear off after a period of time. I mean, you guys remember how crazy some of those months were where we're like, what's true, what's not? You know, everything's crazy. Um, but we're getting towards the end of the year. Everyone's predicting it's gonna be a hard fall and winter. And I'm like, you know what's gonna happen? Someone at church is gonna get sick. I'm gonna be sick too at the same time. And people are gonna be like, well, surely they didn't get it from Pastor Jacob. Pastor Jacob must have been vaccinated, right, Pastor Jacob? And I'm like, ah, I think someone's called my name. I gotta go, <laughs> right? So I'm like, I'm avoiding that at all costs. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do literally everything I can do to just keep people around me safe. So 
I go, I get the first shot of Moderna at uh, Walgreens. I do exactly what they say to do. Hang out around 15 to 20 minutes to make sure no reaction, even though I'm not allergic to like anything like that. I've never had an allergic reaction like that in my life. So I leave, I go home, me and my wife eat dinner. Then I, I take the girls. Um, that night I was the one taking them to cheerleading. Um, so they're down, we're at Logan Field. They're over there cheering, I'm in the car. Uh, and at, while I'm in the car, I start to notice like all of a sudden my heart rate feels like, it feels like I'm running, but I'm sitting in a car. Like I feel my heart rate start going up and I'm like, whew. My arms start getting kind of tingling so do my hands and I'm like, what the heck? Like what's going on? Um, kind of goes away. A few minutes pass, it starts up again. And now it's not just that, but like, it feels like my throat's kind of tighter. I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like, okay, Jacob, calm down, man. You're in your head. Like, just calm it down. <laughs> You're, you've never had allergic reaction in your life. There's no way that's what this is. And so I'm, but it keeps getting worse and worse. And so I'm like, all right, what the heck? So I kind of move the mirror down and I look, my face, I'm not kidding, swollen, just like swollen. I'm, I'm, I've got lines on my face. I'm at this point, I'm like, well, this is how I die. Like, this is how I go. <laughs> this, is, this is about to be it. So I'm freaking out. Like, I'm starting to freak out. If you could have seen, if you could have seen my search history on my phone, you would have seen a panic attack happening in real time. Like, <laughs> am I dying? What do I do? <laughs> like, all that stuff. So I, I see it. I'm on the CDC website, and it's got, like, the bad reactions. And at the bottom of the website, in, like, a highlighted yellow box, it's like, if you are having difficulty breathing, increased heart rate, and like tingling in your extremities, seek emergency medical help immediately. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I, I call 911 on my phone. I like go to the other side of the parking lot because I don't want the girls to be seeing this happen. So I go to the other side of the parking lot. I'm like trying to drink water. Just, you know, I'm, like it's, it's for real. It was getting, my throat was getting crazy tight. They come, I get into the back of the uh, ambulance and, you know, he, they instantly, they threw me in there real quick. He looks in my throat and instantly goes, whoa, whoa, gives me a shot, you know, real quick. And then they put me on uh, some other stuff through an IV, ended up being fine. But after this all happened, like I've never experienced anything like this. So I did what anyone naturally does. I go online. <laughs> I'm like, has anybody else experienced this? Because this is crazy. Like, this is just nuts. Has anyone else experienced this thing? So I'm online and I'm reading it. I see someone else on like Twitter, like just a normal guy had posted about his reaction. He had one just like me, like just like it. Someone responded back to him who obviously knows what they're talking about. It was someone using a lot of big words, right? A lot of, of sciencey sounding words and saying, kind of sounding skeptical, like, well, you know, this actually shouldn't have happened, and I don't know, because only 0.02% of people have ever had this happen, blah, 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 like, just laying all this different stuff out, just, again, being kind of skeptical of it, being kind of, I don't know, uh, and again, using science and linking to articles and all this different stuff, and then it got to the end, and the guy who had had a similar reaction to me responded back to it, and he just said something along the effects of, yeah, no, this is all, all good points, but it happened. <laughs> Yeah, I know this is, I, I see, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with any of this, but I experienced it. I, I, can't, I can't argue with what you're telling me, but I had this experience. I went through this. And why I tell you that is when it comes to your faith, you may not have the eloquent words. You may not know all of the Christian terminology, which is nuts. I mean, we've got some crazy words in our faith. These, these are real words, ecumenical, eschatological, soteriological, antibacterial, like we got, we got a lot of wild words in the faith and it can make things feel so like daunting and whoa, leave that to the experts. Like you handle it. You talk to people about faith because I can't, this is, this is too much. 
But what I'm saying is that faith isn't formal and you don't have to be eloquent to share your experience. Just like that guy on Twitter, just like me, you just have to share what has happened. That's it. You just share your experience of what Jesus has done in your life. Just telling people, I experienced it. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I, I can't explain it any better than this, but I can just tell you what I've been through, what I experienced and what Jesus has done in my life. So if you feel inadequate at all to share, man, stop. Don't feel inadequate. Don't let that stop you from telling people in your life about Jesus and what he's done for you. And another thing, I don't want you to just not feel inadequate. I don't want you to feel inundated, and that's why you don't share. Overwhelmed, and that's why you don't share. Stressed out, and that's why you don't share. Because I think that's a lot of people too. It can be a stressful thing to think that someone's eternity is hanging in the balance and it's on you. Like, that's a daunting thing. Even think about my sermon title for today, right? Until the who hears, whole world. It's a big market. That's a big market to reach. The, the whole world, I mean, the Great Commission is called the Great Commission for a reason. Go out into all the world and make disciples. That's daunting. If you really think about that, that's overwhelming. That's a huge market of people to reach for Jesus. But if you are stressing out about that feeling, like, where do you even start? Like, where do I even start with reaching everybody? This is what I would tell you. Don't stress about sharing the gospel with the whole world. Start with your world. Start with your circle of influence. Start with the people you know. Start there. Listen again to what it says in Luke 2.20. The shepherds went back to their flocks. They went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. The shepherds went back. The shepherds didn't experience what they experienced. They were like, well, time to give up being a shepherd. I guess I have to go into full-time missions. I guess I gotta become a missionary and go spread the word everywhere. They went back. They, they experienced Jesus, they experienced a life-changing encounter with him, and then they returned back to their flocks, back to their jobs, back to their families, back to their neighborhoods, back to their communities. They went back, continuing to glorify and praise God, but in their context, in their area. You see, I, I know for me, whenever I start to feel uh, overwhelmed with like, there's just a lot of stuff going on, it helps me to remember, you know what? Just start small, just start small, just start where I can, start within my context. And that's what I would tell you when it comes to sharing your faith. Man, just, just start small. Don't feel like you have to share with the whole world. Just start with your world. Start with, you know, even, even within that, you can feel like, man, I, if I literally tried to list out everybody I know, loved ones, family, neighbors, acquaintances, coworkers, everybody who I want to make heaven, who I want to have Jesus be a part of their life, that is a if, if you're anything like me, that's a big list. It's a lot of people, and that's overwhelming. So don't be overwhelmed, because you know what happens if you are anything like me, you know what your tendency to do when you feel overwhelmed is? Nothing, right? You're like that meme that's going around online right now where it says, like, this issue comes up, and you're cracking open a can. It says, sounds like a 2023 problem. Like, sounds like, sounds like an issue for next year. Sounds like something to deal with next year, because I'm not dealing with it right now. I'm too overwhelmed. I'm too stressed out. There's too much going on. And that's what it can feel like if we allow ourselves to be overwhelmed. Don't let yourself get there. Start small. I know I'm experiencing this in my own life and chances are you are too because we've just got a, we've got a culture where everyone's run ragged, right? 
Everyone's burning the candle at both ends. Everyone's tired. Everyone's stressed out. Everyone's got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, and so then you come to church and the pastor's like, hey, go tell all the world. <laughs> there you go. There's, add that to the old to-do list. That's right. Um, and so I get it because I, I feel that way too. In fact, it's so funny. Right now, my, uh, my work briefcase, you guys, some of you can probably see it. It's in the front row right next to my lovely wife, Jessica. There's, uh, uh, that's my official work briefcase right now. For those of you online, you can't see it. It's a reusable shopping bag with Frosty the Snowman on it. It's <laughs> and I've been using that to carry my stuff around for like the last month or so uh, because normally I'm a very organized person. Like normally I've got a backpack and everything's very neatly put in. This is where the pens go. This is where the papers go. This is where my iPad goes. Like it's all like that. But whenever I'm like freaking out, whenever I'm stressed out, I've got a lot going on and I'm running from place to place, that bag's great because I don't have to just put things in. I just literally put it over by the edge of the table and just dump everything into it and then walk out the door, right? I was actually joking with the staff this week. I was like, if you ever see me walking around with that bag, just say a little prayer. <laughs> just, just say a little prayer for me in that moment. Um, and, and again, I know everyone's going through stuff like that. Everybody is stressed out right now. Everybody's got so many things going on. But what helps me whenever I start to get in this place, and I've just been reminded, as I was preparing for this sermon this week, God was working on me in a lot of ways. Um, I think about where I'm at right now. I'm like, you know what? what? What will help me get through this is starting small. Not worrying about all of the things that are on my task or my to-do list that I actually don't have any really control or influence over at all. I'm just gonna start within my context. What are the things on here, the things that are stressing me out that I can do something about right now? Now that I can just, I can handle, I can get out of the way. I'm gonna start small with this. And I feel like the same thing is true when it comes to us sharing our faith. We can get so big scoped, like, man, we think about all the people and all. Start small. Start with your sister. Start with your brother-in-law. Start with your, your best friend at work. Start small. Don't stress about sharing the gospel with the whole world. Just start with your world because this is what you need to know. That is how the kingdom of God spreads. One life-changing encounter with Jesus at a time. That's how it spreads like wildfire. That's how the kingdom of God, that's how Jesus and his followers went from a ragtag Jewish offshoot religion comprised of 12 former fishermen and tax collectors following a, a former carpenter turned Jewish rabbi who was murdered. It went from that to the official religion of the Roman Empire in less than 300 years. Think about that. Even with Rome doing everything within their power to snuff it out. Rome is the one, is the, uh, the power that actually put Jesus to death. Rome is the power that was persecuting Christians, throwing them in the Colosseum, throwing them before wild animals. You know what Emperor Nero did? What we know he would do with Christians? He would take Christians. He had uh, uh, gardens. And he would like to go on walks at night. He would take Christians, people who would refuse to renounce their faith, tie them to poles in his gardens while they're alive, cover them with oil, and then set them on fire so he would have an illuminated garden to walk through at night. And Christianity advanced. Our faith spread. It grew and it grew despite all of that happening. Not because of these moments where revival broke out and five million people came to Jesus all in one moment. No, it, it spread because of one life-changing encounter with Jesus at a time. One conversation at a time. One person sharing their faith at a time and it snowballed and it grew and it grew and the kingdom of God spread all over the place.
Can you remember the first moment that you heard about Jesus for the first time? When you were like these people that we're talking about who, who had their life-changing encounter with Jesus? Maybe the thing that preempted that was someone inviting you to a church service, maybe a service here at Cornerstone. We have plenty of people who that's their story. Uh, uh, maybe the thing that preempted your life and changing encounter with Jesus was uh, uh, someone sending you a sermon to watch or someone giving you a book to read or someone giving you a song to listen to or an event to come to and they invited you, they sent you that link, they gave you that book, they did something and then boom, you had your life-changing encounter with Jesus and nothing's ever been the same since then. Can you remember that? If you can, that moment, what you felt and what has happened in your life since then that is why we share. That is why we testify. That's why we shouldn't be able to shut up about Jesus because we know what he's done for us. We know what he did in that moment and we want to share it with everybody else. We wanna invite everybody else. We wanna tell everybody else, not because our stories on their own are so powerful, not because our stories on their own are the thing that changes people. Our stories don't save lives, but our stories point to the one who does. That's why our stories matter because our stories are supposed to be giant neon signs that are saying, this is the guy, this is the one, this is the person who saved me, this is what's happened in my life and I want it to happen in your life too. Our story doesn't change lives, but the one our stories point to does. Uh, this is, I wanna read these last three verses uh, one more time real quick from Luke 2, verses 15, 16, 17. This is what it says, pay, pay real close attention on this. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So again, this thing that has happened that they're talking about, they had just encountered. Think about that moment. Really try to imagine this. Just another normal Tuesday night. <laughs> you're the youngest in your family. You're the shepherd. You're out there watching the flock. You've been doing it a couple nights in a row. You look up in the night sky. You see what looks like a star, and it starts getting brighter and brighter. Suddenly, it looks like it's taking the form of a person. You're blown away. It's an angel. An angel of the Lord declares this news to you, and then suddenly, there's thousands upon thousands more of them filling up the night sky. Think about that moment, how crazy that must have been. So the angels return to heaven. The shepherds say, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. Then it immediately says after that, verse 16, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. Verse 17, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Now, I'll, I'll issue this disclaimer from the onset. I very well, I could be reading into this, 100% I could be reading into this, but something that just stands out to me because uh, especially this gospel, the gospel of Luke, Luke is very detail-oriented. When he writes his gospel, we, we see in Luke chapter one, um, as he, he's talking about, he says, I have set out to write this account, this accurate account. I have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. That's what it says in Luke chapter one. Luke is a, a, a very studious person. He's including every bit of detail that he can to his story. So I think it's just interesting that the shepherds encounter this army of angels in the sky, but they don't tell anybody about that first. They just, right? Like they, they encountered something crazy, but it just says immediately from that, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. Notice when they share about what they've experienced. Verse 17, after seeing him, after seeing Jesus, after experiencing and coming face to face with Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. 
and what the angel had said to them about this child. It's the encounter with Jesus that spurs them to say, we gotta tell everybody about this. Think about that. They had just been in the presence of an army of angels and they didn't say anything. They just spoke to each other and ran to go see it. But after being in the presence of Jesus himself, suddenly we gotta tell everybody. We gotta go tell everybody. And as they're telling the story, I can only imagine them saying, look, I know it's gonna sound crazy. We saw these angels, but the real story, I know it sounds funny. It sounds like the real story isn't the angels in the sky. No, it's not. The, The real story is this kid. I can't explain it. You you just gotta go. You just gotta go. You gotta experience it for yourself. You gotta be around him yourself. There is something about this baby. I don't know what it is, but after experiencing Jesus, that's when they decided we need to share what's happened because they had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, with Jesus. And what I love about this, what I love about Everything we've been talking about today is that when it comes to sharing our faith, what all of this means, if we're just tying it up in a bow, what all of this means is that as you share your faith with the people in your circle, as you step through the fear and trepidation of feeling like you're inadequate or that you're overwhelmed, as you step through that and share your faith, guess what? You have no pressure on you. Think about that. Think about the fact that as you share your faith, there should be zero pressure, zero pressure of rejection, of people thinking you're weird or being awkward, zero pressure because guess what? Your story isn't what saves people to begin with. It's the one that your story points to. Don't give yourself so much credit. (laughs) Your story is not what's saving people from their sins. It's who your story points to. So that means the pressure is not on you. The only pressure you have on you is to share what happened. Just tell your experience, even if it's not eloquent, even if it's not beautiful, just share what Jesus has done in your life and the pressure is on him, right? We talk about that all the time here at Cornerstone, that obedience is on us, outcome is on God, that as we obey him, we can trust the outcome to him. That is so true and it is so true when it comes to us sharing our faith. We just obey and we leave the outcome to him, which means zero pressure for us. I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come back up on stage as they do. Um, in closing, I just want to tell you this real fast uh, to kind of tie everything up in a knot. Back at the beginning of the sermon, I was talking about whenever you experience something that's like just so good, you can't help but share it because you want somebody else to be a part of it too. Uh, it's no secret if you've been at Cornerstone any period of time, I'm a huge Marvel fan, right? MCU. I'm all about that life. I'm a certified geek. Uh, Have been ever since I was little. I I collected all the Marvel comics whenever I was little. So now seeing them become movies, I'm like, this is incredible. (laughs) Like I'm seeing my comic books come to life. Uh, So I love it. And for the longest time, um, I would kind of talk to my mom about it here and there, but mostly whenever it just naturally came up. Like she'd ask, so what are you and Jess doing tonight? Oh, we're going to see the new uh, Captain America movie. And she'd, oh yeah. And I'm like, Mom, I think you'd like these movies. I know it sounds funny. They're all like action movies. I think you'd like them. She's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it just keeps on saying that throughout all the years. And then uh, a, a little while ago, me and her were in a, a counseling appointment. We're with a family helping prep for uh, a funeral. They had a loved one passed away. Uh, and so we're talking with them and we're talking about just like how you go through the waves of grief and missing people and just trying to process your grief. And as we're doing that, I'm like, man, Got a really good quote from a Marvel show, but I don't know if I should say it because we're like, <laughs> it's like a, we're at a funeral planning meeting and I'm like, mm, yeah, it reminds me of this Disney Plus series that I was just recently watching. Like, it's not a good segue, right? <laughs> but I'm like, you know what? I'm, gonna sh- I'm just gonna shoot that shot. So I'm, we're in there and I'm like, I know it sounds so funny, 
But I was just watching this show on Disney Plus. It's an MCU show. And one of the characters, uh, the, her brother was killed. He, he, he's gone and she's still processing the grief uh, of like trying to uh, process this and move on, but still love him and honor him and all this different stuff. And the, the character that she's talking to um, kind of is just like letting her know it, it's okay to grieve. Like you should grieve. Uh, and he says this quote, and it's so good. Uh, it's, what is grief if not love persevering? Right? What, what is not grief if just your love continuing for this person? And I'm like, man, I, I heard that in the show and it's just stuck with me because like, I see that with me and my dad. My dad being passed on and I realize that that's what my grief is. It's just my love with nowhere to go, right? Like I, I still, I love him and it's just love persevering. And so that just helped me a lot realize that my grief is good. Like it's a good thing to uh, miss the person. And as we're saying that, I look over and my mom is sitting there and it's quiet for a second. And the family's like, wow. I look over, my mom's going, that was in a comic book show, <laughs> right? Like that deep of a quote was in a comic book show? I'm like, I, I'm telling you, they're, they're good. And she goes, oh, okay, you've convinced me. I'm gonna watch them. I'm gonna watch them. Like that, that was enough. She had seen and heard enough. So she, the rest is history, right? If you guys have been here, you know she like knocked off the entire MCU canon in like a matter of two and a half months. She caught all the way up to where it is now. She completely fell for it, right? Just loves him now. And why I say that and why I share that is because I think like that's exactly it. Like that is exactly it. That's what sharing our faith is all about. Just planting those seeds, just planting those seeds, let, letting somebody else know, man, I think you'd like it. <laughs> I think you'd like it. This life that Jesus offers, man, it's not easy, but it's worth it. I think you'd like it. It's just planting those seeds, just being open about your faith, just letting people know what it's doing in your life, hoping that one of these days they're gonna say, all right, I've heard enough. I'm gonna check it out for myself. And that they would then have the encounter that the shepherds had, that they would have an encounter where they experience Jesus and go, whoa, this is him. <laughs> This is him, this is, this is the king, this is the person I've been looking for, this is the thing I've been missing, this is the thing that I've been trying to fill uh, the void in my life, but it's actually him that I've been missing this whole time. That's what we want and that's what we can help people find as we get out of our comfort zone and are bold enough to share our faith with the people around us. May we be those people, may we be that kind of church. I want so badly to, to have people in our community be like, man, you won't shut up about your faith. You won't shut up about Jesus. You must be a member at Cornerstone. Like, because that's what that church is known for. That church is known for people who cannot stop praising God about what he's done for their lives. That's a church that can't stop talking about how Jesus has changed them. May we be those people and may we be that church. I'm gonna ask you, if we'll, let's stand to our feet. I wanna pray with you real quick before we close out in worship. Father God, man, we are blown away at how good you are. We're blown away at the gift of Jesus uh, and what he means for us. We're, we're uh, just blown away at your kingdom that you've uh, inaugurated at Easter, but you initiated at Christmas, this new way of living, this new upside down countercultural reality that's built on self-sacrificing love, the example uh, of Jesus. And God, it blows us away. It blows us away. It's, it's, it's changed all of our lives. Everyone who's truly called upon your name and followed you in real tangible ways, it has changed us forever. God, help us to not be quiet about the way that it's changed us. 
Help us to not be able to shut up about the way that it's changed us. Help us to model the example of the shepherds, to model the example of Peter and John and countless others who have said, we can't stop talking about what we've experienced. We can't stop talking about what has happened, what Jesus has done in our life. Help us to be those people through the power of your Holy Spirit to push through any fear, any trepidation, any thoughts that we would have that would try to keep us timid and try to keep us self-centered rather than giving our testimony to the people around us. We know that we can do it through your power, God, and we thank you for that. We thank you that through your spirit, we can point people to the true one and only King who has changed our lives forever. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.